So when I used to live in Ireland, um, I would read like all these books about like the Northern Irish Troubles because I lived right on the border and I knew a bunch of people that were like involved with IRA stuff because it was like the town right over the border that I lived near was like where all of these guys would take refuge when they were like on the run and stuff. So it was like a very Irish nationalist city. And I would meet through a friend of mine that had joined like the IRA right before peacetime. I would meet all all these characters that I would read about in books and like I would know the murders they did and yeah. shit. You know? And like they would leave. They would like come in and like rent a video at the place I worked at or whatever and he'd be like, That's that's Bap. Huh? Be like Bap? From He's the like, book? Yeah. <laughs> because Bap is a nickname, right? Which means like bun. So you would say like a burger bap. And they they would call this guy they would call this guy hard bap mm. which is like a weird nickname so you're like oh he's probably a filthy murderer mm. <laughs> but he would leave and I would get like chills because I would know this guy really well from books you know and it was really terrifying yeah so this guy bap one day all these guys they all out of the fundraising stuff that happened for the IRA was from smuggling you would take something on one side of the border and the border's invisible yeah you don't know when you're on one side of it or another there's especially after after the troubles there's no checkpoints or anything so all of this smuggling was very easy, and uh, some people would have property that straddled the border and stuff, so they would have, like, a tank full of diesel that would then go under hedges and into another tank, <laughs> like, separated by a row of bushes, because that was the biggest thing, is, of course... Fuel. Fuel. Mm-hmm. And um, the IRA would get very, very wealthy off this. Um, but after that, all these guys would still just smuggle for themselves, you know, so I would meet a lot of these guys from smuggling stuff because uh, my friend was doing that and I would just go with them because it was fun to be doing illegal shit. Oh, yeah. Dude. You know, I'm a 16 years old and like alone in another country hanging out with some guy that's 26 and he's like, this is cool, right? And I was like, yes, this is cool as fuck. Let's go sell some cigarettes, man. You know what I mean? And uh, but this guy, Bap, when I was there, um, he was like he was like an officer commanding when he was in the IRA and shit like that. And uh he would, he, he was getting chased one time by the cops, right? Him and a bunch of buddies. And in Ireland, another uh, big uh, illicit thing that uh, the big firework holiday is Halloween. So before Halloween, all these guys would get tons and tons of fireworks. And they'd be smuggling them and, and shit like that. So, uh, you know, Bap has got a van full of fireworks and he's got some buddies and the cops in pursuit and the fucking guys in the back... <laughs> They kick open the back door suicide style and start firing Roman candles and bottle rockets no at the shit. cops. And so what they're cops? Who gives a who shit? Gives a shit? Yeah. So, so the cops, Pew! the cops come. Festive. The cops know they're chasing like former IRA guys, so they come back and they're like, "Oh yeah, we lost them." They started uh, firing rocket-propelled grenades at us. So then it comes out later that they were just bottle rockets and Roman candles and shit. It was super humiliating for the cops and like super funny. And then they got over the like they they got away. Yeah, they just got over the border and goodbye. But like uh, it was it was it's when the cops aren't armed, you can have so much fun with them. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like you could just chase them away with bottle rockets. Mm -hmm. Very harmless, isn't that great? (laughs) If only. Hello, folks. Welcome to Profiles and Eccentricity, a show about weirdos. My name is John Fahey. Um, I'm joined by maybe the most beautiful man I've ever met in my life. His name is Aaron Pita. Say hello, Aaron. Hi, I'm Aaron. <laughs> Hi, John. An even more heavenly fellow. What the fuck? <laughs> Absolutely stunningly gorgeous. <clears throat> You're right. Mr. Matt Rousseau. Say hello, Matt. Hi, I'm Matt Rousseau. 
Um, hi, Aaron. Hi, John. He is very, very striking. Completely unintentional, but it is St. Patrick's Day, and uh, I realized this but an hour before doing the show that I was going to talk about Irish bullshit. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, so, yeah, so I lived I lived in this 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 area um, right on the border. It was very nationalist. and It was uh, kind of the El Paso. Of, they, called it, yeah. they called Dundalk El Paso, and they also called it Little Belfast. Little Belfast. And they also called it Gundalk. <laughs> Uh huh. And there was like a guy um, that was uh, uh, he was named Big Nick. Was he and, little or was it ironic? Uh, <laughs> no, he was a big guy, but he was uh, he was shot outside my my front door a million times. <laughs> Wait, on more than one occasion. Well, while you were there? Well, no, yeah, I was I, I was I was sleeping. He was shot to death. Oh, okay. uh, very, very violently. Um, and I live next with, to with guns and not fucking Roman candles. <laughs> guns. Or... This, this is gun dunk, M- baby. M-80s. <laughs> yeah, but he was he was uh, um, he was dealing drugs, and uh, he had come from a group known as the Irish National Liberation Army, and um, I I was just so fascinated with um, the IRA and uh, the conflict in Northern Ireland in general. I read every single book I could get my hands on when I was there about it because it's it's completely crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like, uh, if, you know, as, as, as a small, small primer, basically what happened was the Irish, you know, colonized Ireland for the longest time, and there was a rebellion every generation. And a lot of times it, would, it wouldn't just be Irish Catholics. Some of them were led by Protestants. Um, so there was a, you know, just always, always, always a rebellion, every generation, every generation. And uh, the last one that was the most successful was in 1916, when the British were at war, the Irish were little fuckers and like, let's get them now. <laughs> They're fighting the Germans. <laughs> yeah. Strike. Strike. So they took over a post office and were just like, we're the new government of Ireland, blah, 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 blah. And uh, the and British... That's the Carl Brewer. Yes. Right. Right. right, right. Uh, the call call brew is is the first episode that we never released of the podcast. If you guys listening are wondering, um, but uh, they they took all the leaders and and you know the Irish public at this time was was pretty nationalist, but they were also kind of okay with the status quo. You know, you're in the 20th century and things are going on, and but then they took all these leaders of this revolution, and the British were so pissed about it that they really wanted to make an example, so they executed all these guys, and that just completely cemented opinion against the British because they felt like that was so excessive, mm-hmm. and they felt like these guys were like these guys are like playing soldier. They took over a post office, like let them right. go. Yeah, you know. Um, so that led to uh, Michael Collins taking over in the IRA and starting the guerrilla war. That um, uh, it was uh, brilliantly fought mm-hmm. by him. You know, a vast elimination of reformers, understanding that the war was about intelligence and who knows what and who's snitching and all that stuff. And he fights the war um, to the point where the British are ready to negotiate. And the British are saying, we will not give you a republic. We will give you an independent free state. And we want the north six counties. And these were counties where the the Protestant population had been put in by the British that uh, a lot of them were from Scotland. Mm -hmm. And they were like, this is the best farmland. We want you to keep it away from those dirty, filthy mix. You know? So, but now they, you know, they live there generation after generation. And they're, they're, the, they're like the, the rich white people. You know? With all the good land. Yeah. And, uh, and, the, and, the, and the English used that to divide and conquer the population. Right. And so this was basically the best deal that Michael Collins could get. And it split the IRA. They had a civil war. Um, Collins was assassinated, and then 
the war kind of fizzled out and people got used to being like, well, the other South 26 counties are now Ireland. And they eventually just declared it a republic. They didn't say they were a free state. And um, but now we have this thing in the north mm-hmm. and you have a Catholic minority and a Protestant majority because it was carved to be that way. Right. And they're an underclass and they are like they get kind of like weirdly extra Catholic than the rest of the country because they're right. kind of separated and stuff right. like that. They respond to that pressure by just being more. Yeah. Than. Yeah. And uh, so they would be locked out of jobs like Harlan and Wolf where they built the Titanic. Those were all Protestants. You wouldn't get any of the good jobs, so you were like always kind of a second-class citizen, which led in the 60s, inspired by Martin Luther King, to do civil rights marches. Mm-hmm. So straight up, we looked at, you know, Irish Catholics looked at Dr. King and were like, we're just going to do this. And then there was a bunch of peace marches, and there were some where the British fired on the, on the, the protesters, and then a bunch of people were like, you know, we used to shoot at these guys too. <laughs> so that led to the rebirth of the IRA, and yeah. then the... the the, the struggle started basically from 1969 on. Mm-hmm. And there was an official IRA, right? This right. is the IRA. Right. And then there's, and, and they were kind of like, uh, they had gotten pretty socialist and kind of uh, political. And then there was a bunch of the guys that were like, we're, we're ready for the guns and the fighting, please. Yeah. And we're we joined to, to fuck shit up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're here to fuck shit up really bad and uh, not really talk. So the official IRA was, was like, we're not doing that. We're on ceasefire. Right. And, a bunch of people are like, oh, let's, let's split off. So they formed the provisional IRA. So after that, that basically is the IRA. You know, sometimes they're called the provosts. But from, from there on out, that becomes the active IRA is the one that you're going to talk about. You're not going to talk about the ceasefire one. Right. You know what boring. I mean? So those are the officials. But they hung around and there was a very violent feud between the two of them because you don't want a split to happen. Oh, no. It, it, you're losing all your power exactly. there, kind of. Right. So the uh, the officials were very, like I said, very socialist and stuff like that. And throughout the history of Irish Republicanism, there's always been kind of a, like a subsect of like very like heavy mark stuff. Like even in 1916, mm-hmm. there was a group called Citizens Army led by James Connolly. They participated in the uprising, but they weren't part of the IRA. They were like, we're, we're our own thing. We're all about the workers and blah, blah, Proletariat, blah. Proletariat, yeah. Yeah. So a couple of people, a few years later in 1974 are still in the IRA and they're sick of this shit, but they're also like very into the worker thing, but they also want to fight. <laughs> and they start a offshoot called the Irish National Liberation Army. And the officials are not pleased about that at all either mm-hmm. and start killing the fuck out of them, right? <laughs> and the INLA is like, then they never, ever stop feuding. Amongst and, themselves. Amongst themselves and dividing. The INLA would go on to kill more of each other than the British <laughs> throughout throughout the struggles. Is so they're like they're like the little dysfunctional fucked up stepbrother of the IRA, you know. But um, at, at moments of 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 uh, you know large importance and stuff like that, like when uh, Margaret Thatcher, you know, when she comes around, this has been going on ten years, and when prisoners are put in for uh, crimes, they go to camps and mm-hmm. you wear your own clothing and you're, tre- you're a prisoner of war. This is You're obviously a political prisoner. Margaret Thatcher started a thing called normalization and criminalization <sighs> and she built the Mays prison and uh, she was like... Herself, you're, hand. You're wearing a prison uniform and the first IRA guy that goes in is like, well, you're going to have to nail it to my back. And he just 
walks around naked. Okay. So then all the IRA guys start coming in and walking around naked. Yeah. And then they're like, listen, they don't care that we're naked. And they're like, what do we do now? And they're like, start putting your piss and shit on the walls. <laughs> yep. I knew I had to get pissed into this story. Oh, God. Huh? There we are. Now the, <laughs> now the show started, guys. So now the, now, the, now the naked protest has become the dirty protest, right? And the women in the women's prison are doing their menstrual blood and shit like oh, that on the walls. Oh, hell yes. And they're like, are they also doing hunger strikes and stuff? Well, no, now we're leading up to that, okay, okay. right? So then they're like, no, they don't care about the they piss. They don't care about the piss. They don't the care shit. about the piss and the shit. <laughs> What's and next? People like, you know, there was, um, there was always people from the religious community that would come into the prisons and, and try to negotiate peace. Uh, the Jesuit order was almost responsible for every ceasefire that ever happened. Mm -hmm. Those guys would just go out. I mean, they would, they would put themselves in the middle of riots. Like, they were really, really pretty extreme. Um, they're a profilable enough kind of section. They've almost been excommunicated from the Catholic Church many, many times. Mm -hmm. um, a current pope is a Jesuit. I did not know that. Yeah. Argentinian. No shit. Mm -hmm. Fuck. Man, I shouldn't host this show. <laughs> Fuck. Good night, everybody. <laughs> hey, Matt, let's get out of here. <laughs> hey, piss. <laughs> Two so, piss, please. So then they're like, all right, they don't care about the piss and the shit and the menstrual blood or none of that nonsense. So now we're going to have hunger strike. And hunger strikes would happen throughout Irish history before this, right. you know, so they... And it's probably not that hard but with all the piss and shit everywhere to work up a nice <laughs> No, 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 appetite. that ends. That ends. So the minute they start a hunger strike, they're like, all right, you guys don't have to piss and shit all over each well, other there's anymore. there's nothing to piss or right. shit out. But the priest that came in, I was going to say, he's like, I have not seen conditions as bad as this since I saw, like, Mother Teresa helping people in, in Calcutta in the sewers. Yeah. He's like, these are the worst conditions I've seen since then. Wow. So they start a hunger strike. The British government kind of psychs them out. And is like, yeah, we're going to meet your demands about, you know, clothes and all that. And then the, it comes out that they're just going to have, like, a clothing-looking uniform. <laughs> they kind of do. It's them. a jumpsuit with, it's like, Lee jeans yeah, painted on it's them. it's got, like, a fake flannel or something. That's very funny. It's very funny. <laughs> so they find that out, and they're like, oh, shit. Now, in the meantime, when they, when they make this break, there's a guy... On death's door, he's about to die. Like, they're ready to, they're like, oh, fuck, so is, is it cool or is it not? So they want to save him. And uh, I knew the guy's sister. Oh. She was a bartender where I worked. Oh, hey. And she, yeah, she, she looked like a, a child. Um, huh? But her, her brother would be walking around town and he, he had lost so much from the hunger strike in his mind that he was basically just insane. Yeah. So it was. Uh, so it he, was, he did survive. He did eat something. He did survive. So then they start the second hunger strike, and these guys are like, they're going all the way. Mm -hmm. And they're not, like, the IRA leadership on the outside is like, we don't want this at all. This, this is bad. We're going to lose. And these guys, I mean, the first, one, the first hunger striker was in jail for just having a gun in the car. And he didn't eat food for 66 days until yeah. he died. Yeah. And he was writing poetry the whole time. Mm -hmm. and is that, that's, they made that's a movie with, uh, Bobby Mike, Sands. with Fassbender, yeah. Is that Fassbender? Mm-hmm. I can't do this show anymore. <laughs> what the fuck? Fucking sucks. <laughs> fucking cocksucker. Oh, John, it's okay. It's, oh. it's cool. <laughs> you're doing nice. Great. Go, you're doing great. Thanks. Uh, isn't that right, audience? Yeah. Um. So, the, but the INLA was there was ten hunger strikers in, in total, and like until they met the demands, because they were not aware of how much public sympathy somebody not eating yeah. until they die. Like they would have meetings with these guys, and during the meetings, they would go blind. Yeah. Because your body starts eating itself when you don't give it food. Yeah, that's incredible. I think you, you mentioned that before uh, to me, and that is so cinematic. 
like they're in this meeting. You were telling me the guy would be like, I, I, I just went blind. Well, that's that. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. S- speaking. Go on with what you were saying. Never mind the visual aids. Yeah. And they're they're leaving every day plates of food at the bottom of your bed. Uh, that is every in... day. Meal after meal after meal. Left. The willpower man. The waftings. Can you imagine? And all these guys would just not do it. And one of one of the the, the craziest guys was uh, the second hunger striker, Francis Hughes, who killed a bunch of people. <laughs> he didn't have a gun in his car. This guy. Yeah. This guy was like, I'm gonna take it back to like the 1920s when we all just like waited outside in fatigues. Yeah, and he would just be walking around with a black beret and fatigues on, with like a machine gun strapped, like grenades all over him. Very scary. But this is the 1970s. People have cars, and they're like, "Do you see that guy <laughs> in the field with the grenades? You can't do that." Yeah. But it was so bold that British soldiers would come up to him because <laughs> they thought he was a British soldier, so he'd start shooting them. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> they're like, nobody would do this, <laughs> and like you know, they would they would have so. Th- after after a bunch of of kind of bigger upheavals, the the leader of the IRA is is saying we need to f- get ready to dig in for a long war. We're gonna break up everything more. We're gonna put you into cells. You're gonna have uh, sleeper cells going to you know England and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the minute you know you get a job accounting or something, yeah, I mean you just do all this stuff. Like then the we thing, activate you. The thing about that that's so crazy is. There's people that come into paramilitary violence in the North because they're attracted to violence. And there's people that are just born into political families. And you're mm-hmm. like, if this person was not born into this family, they would be absolutely brilliant. Right. They'd be an engineer. Some of the bombs that were made right. were completely insane. Like things would be put like buried in, in the engine of a truck, which they think they got from the French Connection. No shit. And there'd be a British soldier like in, a document, <laughs> in this documentary with the IRA, and he's saying... He's like, yes, this is absolutely a dastardly device. This, you know, a vicious-minded sort of thing. Brilliant. And the interviewer is like, yeah, but it's like pretty fucking innovative, huh? And he's like, yes, it's dastardly. This is just absolutely vicious. It's a shame I didn't think of it myself. The cruelest sort of, you know, just inhuman machines that we are working with. And and the interviewer was like, but you gotta say that there's some kind of intelligence. Like these aren't just vicious like thugs or whatever. And the guy says. Well, let me put it to you this way. If there were a terrorism Olympics, the IRA would take all the gold medals. <laughs> uh, Which is amazing. Let me put it this way, my good man. So the INLA is, 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 is they split off and they, in like 1974, and they become this, this Marxist wing and they're, they're just getting annihilated with, with infighting and there's people in... Maybe Belfast don't get along with the people in Dublin, or the people right. in Derry don't get along with the people in Belfast. So there's like all this fucking infighting. And did they have a leader? Like a they did. Fake? Seamus Costello was the guy that was the guy that formed it. Seamus Costello. Yeah, Seamus Costello. I love it. Yes, yes, and he was he was charismatic enough and an able military and political leader to keep them together enough until he died, and then they power vacuum and yeah. But this is like kind of the thing where it's like they have a point about avoiding the splits. Because then they just couldn't stop splitting. Because once you say, splitting I'm, st- is okay. I'm starting my own thing, of course you would think like, well, why can't you start your own thing? And yeah. the reason why is because like- Then, then you don't have a thing. Everybody can do it. Yeah. So like, this just kept happening with the INLA and they kept splitting and there would be new leaders and stuff like that. And the only time they were really together was when they had 
Dominic McGlinchey, who was like, I'm going to run this thing like Hitler. <laughs> like, I'm in charge and I'm, like, involved in all the operations. And the, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no political leadership. There's no kind of, like... Yeah, you know what I'm saying, like undercover and, boss. And he was he was like what, like the most wanted man in Ireland. They called him Mad Dog McGlinchy. Oh my God, I love names. Like everywhere. Yeah. Like, and the you know they the cops stumbled upon him one time and they just drew their guns on him and tied the cops up. Again, when they have no guns, it's so easy. It's so easy to have fun with the cops. <laughs> So they tie him up and drive away, go back over the border or whatever. Yeah, but it's not like they were massacring him all the time. It was like... No, no. Well, the Irish cops, they won't fire on. Right. So your targets as an IRA member or an INLA member are the police. Because, again, that's mainly like kind of a Protestant police force. Mm-hmm. And the British soldiers, of course. Mm-hmm. Unionist politicians, which are the Protestant politicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, any kind of UK military figure at all. And you want to do a lot of bombing to make the possession of Northern Ireland economically untenable. Right. But a lot of people were like, why isn't there more bombs on the mainland? Like, keep them over there. Why are we bombing our own shit? Right. So once the IRA really started doing that, that's what led to the peace talks. Like, when the peace talks started breaking down, the IRA called off their ceasefire in 1996. Mm -hmm. And they bombed the Docklands, mm-hmm. which is where all the tabloids were. Yeah. And the difference between, like, the, the Al-Qaeda-style terrorism is that these bombs would have a 90-minute warning. Right. They'd, they'd so call every, it in to let... Everybody would get out. Yeah. So there was... The, the English 9-11 happened in 1992 at the stock exchange, the, Bal- the Baltic Exchange. Mm-hmm. And one guy died because he was a photographer. And he was like a news guy, and he's like, I'm going to get a scoop. <laughs> so he's like, don't, he, go, don't go to where the bomb is. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. He, got, he got a scoop. He did. He, he did. So, like, you have a British 9-11 with no real casualties. Yeah. But billions upon billions of dollars of damage. Mm-hmm. And all of these bombings in the 90s actually led to all the things that we kind of used after 9-11. Because back then, if you... <laughs> If you lost the files, that's the files. You know what I mean? Like, we don't got a backup. Right, right. Well, they right. blew it up. But who are our clients? I don't know. <laughs> you know we what have I mean? the names on a sheet of paper. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully they, they get in touch. <laughs> I mean, got all this money. <laughs> people went out, like, people almost really went out of business. Yeah. Like, this was a, a, a massive, like, massive. Um, it was like um, Project Mayhem. Like, bombing the, right. the credit uh, bureaus. Yes. Absolutely. So it was... But once that happened, that was really the thing that was like, listen, we don't have to kill anybody and we can cost you a ton of money on your Which own Which is soil. the only thing that is, is going to get any sort of response. Right. Nobody cares about bodies. Right. And those would be considered spectaculars. Yes. Now, these are things that happen to boost the morale of the organization and kind of, you know, goodwill towards the... You know, the, especially the people. Like, I mean, you're not turning the people against you when you don't kill anybody. Right. right. I mean, that's a big one. And, and, you're, and you're fighting the man. Right. So that you're just going to get yeah. public sentiment behind you. It's really easy, especially when you're attacking, you know. Enemies. Yeah. And, I mean, another thing is uh, they, the, the Irish Republicans would always have, not Republican Republicans, you know, it's just yeah. Irish nationalism. Is, Irish Republicanism is basically we're trying to make a republic. But they're... Their thing is they were always big on prison breaks, too, which were fantastic for morale. They were incredible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One of the things they did one time was there's some guys 
in like you know like the prison yard. You know they let you out in the yard and you break yeah. a rock or whatever. <laughs> smear some feces. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not eat. So you get out there and they just had a helicopter come over and like three guys <laughs> scrambled up a rope <laughs> and they. Gone. There they go. Where they go? Up there. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> shoot them with what? So there's. I mean, like, does anybody have any fireworks? <laughs> Just, <laughs> <laughs> Aim steady, Seamus. Imagine a, like a rope ladder drops down. You see three guys scurry up it, and then you. Well, what do we do? They have a helicopter. It's I don't like know. A fucking episode of Batman from the sixties. <laughs> yes. Yes. But the INLA uh, was was. They were part of the hunger strikes, too, in the 1980s. There was three out of ten were all INLA guys. In mm-hmm. 1979, the INLA killed more people, targets, than the IRA. No shit. There was a minute there where they were really, really powerful mm-hmm. and really, like, getting, I mean, a ton of volunteers. A lot of uh, the the things is all the rejects from the provost would come to the INLA, too. Right. Because if... If you're a fuck up, we'll take you. Yeah, we don't care. We need we need whatever. So it's it just becomes a totally dysfunctional, fucked up, weird thing. And yeah. there's more always more of a criminal element. And like, oh, yeah. is this guy dealing drugs? May I don't know. We're not really supposed to. Like the IRA is hardcore against drugs, right? And they would do this thing that even continued after the ceasefire called kneecapping, right? Because they don't have jails. IRA guys don't have jails. So if you were a drug dealer, they would come and they would kidnap you, and they'd be like, you can't deal drugs anymore. And you'd be like, oh, shit, they're going to kill me. And then they would let you go. But then if you kept dealing drugs, they would take you to a shed and shoot you behind the kneecap and blow your kneecap out. Christ. And that happened all the time. Well, they should have listened. <laughs> yeah. And I met people that lived, like, in, in housing developments, you know, like public housing. Yeah. Projects. That were the, the Irish, Irish projects. projects. And they would say, god damn, I hate this fucking ceasefire. <laughs> I can't pe- deal any drugs. No, no. Now people steal my car and shit. You know, like that kind of like routine, like thug thing. There used to be a guy in the neighborhood you can go to because you knew he was in because they were they, a paramilitary organization. You can be like, listen, these, these motherfuckers, motherfuckers you know what I'm saying? These motherfuckers they're are fucking, stealing my my Datsun. They're after taking me shit. Yeah, but if if you got no knees, you're gonna need a car. So you can't be walking around <laughs> with no knees. Some of these guys, some of these guys, they would they would. Well, like the they Vegas was both, better with the would, mob. They would shoot both knees and both and both elbows <laughs> sometimes. Oh, what? They would go really fucking hardcore on some, which at that point just call it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. You got one more bullet in there. Yeah, you know, like you just put one in there. I can't bend shit. <laughs> Sucks. Walking well, well, around like the Tin Man, <laughs> stumbling through the city. Oh, I wonder what he did. Um, steal want- his car. Steal his car. You can't stop. What's he gonna do? It's not like he can drive anyway. I was uh, this is this is the ADD in me, but I'm gonna go to this thing because the the BAP nickname made me think of this. Uh, think outside the BAP. The guy. This this is from the David Letterman. This like David Letterman like playbook. It's like it's just like a bunch of like visual. It's like Mad Max or mm-hmm. Mad Magazine, but mm-hmm. like but made by the David Letterman staff. And there's the eerie paradox of presidential nicknames. And he goes, every school kid knows that Andrew Jackson was frequently called Old Hickory, but do you recognize these other less familiar presidential nicknames? James Monroe, Old Beans and Franks. John Quincy Adams, Old Scratch and Sniff. What? William Howard Taft, The Fat Pig. <laughs> <laughs> I look at that all the time. That's great, John. <laughs> I love pigs. 
right? Pig, pig is such a it's gr- incredibly mm-hmm. rude insult, mm-hmm. and it's the best. <laughs> yeah. Shut up, pig. Huh? Uh, yeah, it's, uh. it's it's pretty devastating. Like if so, like. <laughs> My dad was telling me he's like this guy was bitching about his wife the other day, and he was saying like how messy she is, and he called her a pig. I was like, that should not be your wife, bro. You can't, you can't be like my wife's a pig. Oh, she loves it. <laughs> so the INLA, <laughs> <laughs> quick little piss pig hey. interlude there. Brought to you by piss. So they 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 keep dividing, and they would do stuff like where they would be like. Uh, we are the INLA GHQ staff, which was just means we're the guys in Belfast that hate the guys in Dublin. Plus their and, 4-H club, yeah. And the guys in Dublin would be like, well, we're the INLA Army Council. <laughs> so there would be two different INLAs all shooting each other. Right. And you wouldn't know what the fuck is going on, you know? Oh, my God. So McGlinchey takes over, and he starts running the shit with an iron fist. And he's just a lunatic. There's, there's another, another character, Desi O'Hare. The border fox. All these guys have nicknames. Of course. Was there a fat pig? <laughs> <laughs> but McGlinchey takes over, and he's he's like he's very very cunning. Like he's really doing very good shit. And they're at least not fucking killing each other because he's deciding every single thing that happens. Mm-hmm. But he's also bringing in guys that like when they you know when they think there's like a snitch or something, the interrogator would torture them. So they would find guys with, like, burn marks on them and shit like that, which is, like, there's a whole... Because this is an ongoing war that lasts years and years, you, it's so much about hearts and minds. Right. And you can't fucking torture people. Right. You know? But these guys be, like, cutting off fingers and I, shit. That's why I'm glad to be a citizen of the United States of America, <laughs> where we don't torture anybody. <laughs> But they're even torturing their own people. I mean, that's like, it's one thing to torture your enemy, right. which is as, is still a war crime. Sure. But to torture your own people... Well, is... you're a people. But the thing is, 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 is... <laughs> you do whatever you want. There would be some guys where you would find out later that, oh, fuck, they weren't the snitch. Yeah. And the snitch was some other guy that owns a bar that we would never suspect because right. they seem so loyal. Yeah. So... Not only then would you have a dead dad with cut off fingers and right. burned fucking like poker yeah. marks under his arm. The armpits. snitch is out running free. Not only that, but now he's he's disgraced in the neighborhood. Yeah, and you live in a fucking council estate with a bunch of other poor people, and they're all telling you your dad's a fucking snitch. Yeah, and he's not. You're losing that family too. Yeah, it's, it's four, five, six people. Sure. Yeah, it's fucking. It's like yeah, it's bad PR. <laughs> You're right. One of the things our torture is bad people. McGlinchey would tell people, like, he would encourage them to live like him because he was always on the run. <laughs> and he... So he would encourage... He'd be like... So he would tell everybody... He would tell everybody... This is, this is the kind of leadership he had. He'd be like, if you're on the run, you should be armed. If not, fuck off home. <laughs> fuck off home. Fuck off home. You can't go home. You're on the run. Yeah. They're and probably looking for you yeah. there. You can't do that. While you're home, get your gun. But also, and then leave. <laughs> he's he's terrifying everybody because he knows everything because everything's coming up to him, and it's the only way to keep this organization together. That's you. The guy probably never slept. And he, and he, somebody somebody gets picked up from the INLA, and the cops are talking to him, and they say to him, "We want to know everything that you were involved in," and he says, "It's hard for me to talk about these things," and the cops say, "Why?" Because of McGlinchey. And the cops say, are you scared of McGlinchey? And he goes, isn't everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you? So McGlinchey goes to prison. The whole thing falls apart again. 
a whole shitload of guys are ready to do another split, and these guys are real pieces of shit. Hell yeah. And they go by the name of the IPLO, Irish People's Liberation Organization. Mm -hmm. And this is just almost exclusively drug dealers and shitheads. Yeah. And they are a complete mess. And there's a feud between the INLA and the IPLO, of course. Not a kneecap in the bunch. <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, they're, they're slaughtering each other all the time. And a bunch of them would live together, like, in these little shitholes, you know? And one of them was across from a police station. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Which they kill cops, you know? Yeah. And the cops know they live there. <laughs> so so a bunch of them, like a bunch of INLA guys break into an IPL apartment across from the police station. And they shoot guys in the eye and all types of shit. People are getting lit up and some of them are like bleeding to death. And they call the cops. And the cops won't come. <laughs> cops won't come to save them. And then like they keep calling and calling. And when the cops show up, they go, Jesus Christ, aren't any of you dead yet? <laughs> <laughs> because you would, I mean, the cops the do co their jobs for them. But they're, the cops are always, you're always a target. It doesn't matter if you're at the video store or you're fucking, your daughter's yeah, well, christening. If, if the cops show up to that shootout, the IPLO and the INLA guys are just going to turn their bullets, well, their I mean, guns to the cops. Yeah, well, you would hope. So what, they're cops! <laughs> like, you would hope, but... Like, obviously, you can't look to these people to save you, the ones right. that you're spending all of your time yeah. trying to murder. Yeah. <laughs> What's there to complain about it's there? It's so funny. It's so funny. So the IPLO is... is, is uh, Time out, guys. Come on. Yeah, wait. I'm sorry. Help us. Something about death that really makes you uh, restructure your... Do your jobs. Yeah. <laughs> they were trying to act like the cops were hypocrites. It's like, no. So the IPLO is going along, and they're... they're they're doing worse and worse things, and the entire time, the IRA is massively outnumbered the INLA, and they've massively, massively outnumbered the IPLO, and there was a couple of guys that would be in the IPLO, and they'd be doing robberies and selling drugs, and I think, I think they, like, gang-raped a girl, mm. and suddenly, they just don't realize... They've woke the sleeping giant. The IRA. Yeah. And they're it, fucking up the cause. Well, they're giving it a bad name. Yeah. Because, you know, some guy reading the paper in Japan doesn't know the difference between the IPLO and the IRA. And the whole thing is about hearts and minds and mm -hmm. sympathy of the public. Mm -hmm. So you can't fucking do that. Yeah. So in one night, they have hundreds of IRA volunteers go out to 24 residences they're running, driving, speeding from apartment to apartment, kneecapping 24 men. Hell yeah. And telling other people, get the fuck out of the country now, you're dead. So people are like buying plane tickets <laughs> and, like, and getting shot in the knees. And the, and the British security forces are like, we didn't know they could do this in a night. Yeah. They have the... the the leader of the organization surrenders formally to the Belfast IRA. No shit. Yes. They had no idea this was possible. Yeah. Completely. They, they stopped a paramilitary organization overnight. The IPLO ceased to exist. Yeah. And the rest of the ones that were spread around the country came out to be like, we're done. We're sorry. Yeah. That's it. Well, and, and it, it, it shows you that, you know, they're legitimate organization 
more so than the, the British at that point. You know, we're, we're doing your job for you. Right. See how we can do this? Yes. Well, everything I'm talking about that's scandalous about the INLA, there were traces of in the IRA, like, say, torture, for instance. But as, of course, as an organization, they're completely like, we don't do that. But there were things that happened. There were people that disappeared, Right, and when you're so big, the numbers, uh, you're going to have a few bad actors. Right, and, you, you know, you're also kind of saying, as the... IRA, you present as the, we are the presumptive Irish government of the mm-hmm. future. Yes. We're, you know, ready to lead tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. There's always uh, a political party affiliated with the military organization. So the IRA has Sinn Féin, mm-hmm. which means ourselves alone. Mm-hmm. And the uh, and they have a, a, a news publication, which is in public, which means the Republic. The INLA had the IR, IRSP which is the Irish Republican Socialist Party. Mm-hmm. But people would... That came out first before the INLA. So everybody started calling them... Before they knew what the organization, the military organization was called, they started calling them ERPs. <laughs> so there was like a ghetto where there was a ton of INLA. People called the Divis Flats. Mm-hmm. And the Divis Flats was called the Planet of the ERPs. <laughs> right? And, and the name of the INLA paper was Sersha. Like Sir Ronan. Yes. Yeah. Which, S- which means uh, freedom, basically. Sersha. So in the Divis Flats comes a guy. The, the entire time, too, you have to, you have to imagine you have hardcore anti-Catholic, uh, you know, bigoted politicians that would be like, fuck the Catholics, you know. And they would go around and seriously be like, fuck the Pope and shit like that. Mm-hmm. They would, that's how they would, they would, you know, organize working class Protestants. That were just as poor as Catholics, but they would whip them up with all this racism, like poor mm-hmm. white Americans. Yes. And some of these politicians would go to Bob Jones University and speak, mm-hmm. which is the, you know, the university here famed for how fucking racist it is in Virginia or North Carolina or wherever. I can't host the show anymore. But <sighs> You're doing great. But they, would, they, would, they were doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. They were basically... Yeah, point the finger at, an, at a scapegoat, even though you have more, more in common with them. Right. Yeah, yeah. Even on St. Patty's Day, it should be noted that the Irish immigrants that came here, one of the things they did to get a leg up on blacks was to present themselves as above blacks. Right. Yes. Even though they were the Irish were viewed as inferior mm-hmm. to the regular white Americans. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I mean, as a sidebar to that, it is so disgusting to me the amount of Irish. American Republicans, there are. I mean, the Sean Hannitys and yeah. the Bill O'Reillys and all these people against immigration. So I'm yeah. like, you are just closing the doors behind you, pal. Yeah, way to go. You are such a fucking nerd. You're like, you used to have no respect, and it's making you kind of like the most shitty now. Yeah, the bullied becomes the bully. Right, because the Irish or the English hotels back in the day would have signs. Nina. Mm-hmm. No Irish, no blacks, no dogs. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here. Some dogs. <laughs> right, but you know. Yeah. They're classy ones. Paddy wagons. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And go scoop up all these fucking Irish trunks. Well, that's why they became um, cops. They did all the jobs nobody wanted to do. Right, right. So there was, I mean, I, that's a part of, like, American shit that I, I mean, I really, really hate about the Irish. Mm-hmm. That there's this thing of, like, a, you know, we're white. Yeah. It's like, you used to get treated like shit. Like, the Orange Order is the Protestant kind of, um, they're basically, like, not as extreme, I would say, but I, I think the KKK yeah, is like actually the, based on the Orange Order. Because right. in the Orange Order, you have, have the same gra- the Grand Wizard. You have the Grand Master, and in the KKK, you have the Grand Wizard. And the only rules to join the, the, join the Orange Order are be Protestant. Mm-hmm. You can't be Catholic. 
And then we wear bowler caps and, like, you know, kind of look kind of clockwork orangey and mm-hmm. we march around. And they would always di- directly go into Catholic areas just to be like, fuck you, fuck the Pope, et cetera, et cetera, and piss people off. And it was a, very much like an, a dominance established thing. And that would continue all throughout the ceasefire and does to this day. And they would, there would be constant things like, a, we're going to lose the ceasefire. We're going to go back to war because these guys keep throwing it in our face, you know? Mm. So... That's all going on. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, the most famous politician that was about fuck the Catholics was Ian Paisley from the, from the late 60s on. This guy was just like, he was a Protestant minister and he was, uh, he was always involved with some kind of church and very much like the INLA. He would start these churches with somebody and then he would declare his, his partner in the church apostate. He'd be like, you're apostate. This isn't the real deal. And you'd split again. And, you know? And he would start another church with somebody else. And he'd be like, you're fucking apostate too. Jesus Christ. Come well, on. I'm out of all here. these goddamn apostates. <laughs> so I'm an apostate yeah. man. He would keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And then until he started the church where he had no partners. <laughs> and then that wasn't apostate. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he was always rallying people up. But the second in command behind him was this guy named Major Ronald Bunting. And Major Ronald Bunting was, you know, a... a British, you know, vet and everything and a big deal. And he was kind of the other big Protestant, fuck these Catholics, they're losers thing. But he has a son, Ronnie Jr. And Ronnie Jr. goes to Queens University, mm-hmm. which is right near the planet of the Earps. Mm-hmm. And he gets very political and he joins the INLA. You damn dirty Earps. And he's, he's, he's a Protestant guy. So these yeah. fucking people, these maniacs yeah. in the INLA are like, you can't trust him. Do you know who his dad is? Right, right. He hates us, but he becomes so effective and so brilliant that the INLA pulled off their greatest spectacular with Ronnie Jr.'s brain behind it all. Hell yeah. And I think it was maybe the invention of a specific kind of weapon, which is the Mercury Tilt Switch bomb. Yeah. So the Mercury Tilt Switch is... A great punk band. (laughs) All about where how you move it exactly the minute you move it the bead of mercury hits the trigger right well you complete the circuit right and then it ignites the bomb so you have a flat thing and it's connected to only one side of the circuit but then when you tip it so he put this under the car of one of margaret thatcher's like most trusted advisors this guy airy neve he was a member of parliament and he oversaw northern island policy and all types of shit and he drove, and she was supposed to she I'll yeah, get yeah, to yeah, that yeah. too, but she <laughs> she was she was very, very close to Erin Eve and and completely traumatized by his death. But when he starts driving the car out, he starts going up the ramp. And then that tilts the fucking mercury underneath and kills him, like blows his fucking legs yeah. to the sky and shit like that. And she was completely shocked by that. Yeah. And then also the IRA <laughs> In 1984, we're like, where the f- how can we, how can we get her? Yeah, how can we get her? You know, and they're like, well, where does she go? And they're like, well, once a year they have the conservative conference at the Brighton Hotel. So long in advance, they set up a bomb at the Brighton Hotel, waiting for her to go. And the only reason she didn't die is because she went to the bathroom to take a piss. <laughs> piss saves uh-huh. the day. Save uh-huh. the piss. <laughs> So that was that was another thing where later on she had a mental breakdown and she was just like, I shouldn't be here, yeah. I should be dead, and yeah. all this stuff was still haunting her from those days. And the IRA statement after it was chilling as fuck. 
They told her, today, Prime Minister Thatcher was lucky, but she will have to be lucky always. We only have to be lucky once. Ugh. It's fucking devastating. That's amazing. It's incredible. And John Major, the, the prime minister that was following her then, you know, he was in her party and everything, and he, he was at the fucking 10 Downing Street, like, war table, mm-hmm. you know, where Churchill hung out, all those guys. And he was drafting Iraq war policy for the Gulf War, and outside, the IRA had a van full of mortars, and the mortars started shooting through the windows, and they had to hide under the table, like the war table they yeah, were just yeah. at. They had to start hiding under. Oh, what a scene. It's amazing. So yeah. all of these things, like these spectaculars, like this Airy Neve thing was the spectacular yeah. for the INLA. Yeah. And, of course, still Ronnie Bunting got murdered. Yeah. Everybody gets murdered. All of them. Mm-hmm. Big Nick on my block. <laughs> they all get murdered. Dominic McGlinchey comes out of prison. He's at a a fucking phone booth with his son. He gets riddled with bullets. Car pulls up in front of his son. And his last words are, Jesus, Mary, help me. (laughs) (laughs) He's like the leader of a Marxist organization. (laughs) Jesus, fuck's sake. No. His wife was killed, like bathing kids in the tub. Like, all of these things are... are was that INLA infighting? Or that was, was INLA infighting, yeah. Jesus Christ. They all, all get murdered. Yeah. Keep getting murdered. Mm-hmm. All the way up to the ceasefire. And then after that, they just learned the lesson of you can't piss off the big dog. We've got to be on ceasefire, too. Yeah. And the peace process starts going on. The unionist politicians invent decommissioning as a political tool. You have to give up the guns. Mm-hmm. And the IRA's policy forever was not a bullet, not an ounce of Semtex. Mm. And, you know, they don't want to lose over that. But the, the decommissioning thing was just a brilliant tool that they invented. And eventually they ended up having the future prime minister of South Africa come mm-hmm. as an international monitor. And they watched all of the weapons be destroyed in secret locations. Like, yeah. guns melted down, you know, That's everything. Crazy. It's completely insane. Like, some other fucking Norwegian guy. Yeah. So they're the international monitors being like, we don't have a dog in this fight. Yeah. So trust us that... We like to watch guns melt. Yeah. We... This is really cool, <laughs> you know. I got driven here by ski mask guys. Yeah, I like the end of Terminator 2. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads to, to the end of, of the armed struggle, basically. And right. the INLA just goes along with it and said, you know... We're, you know, we're trying to to go about it by political means, but also they were like, we, we're fucking basically just drug dealers now. Yeah. We're just kind of shitheads. Yeah. And we're kind of happy that the IRA's going to give up their guns so they can't kill us yeah, now. Yeah, we can go back to selling drugs. Yeah, we're just really petty criminals. Yeah. You know, but they were, they were just such a fucked up, fascinating, dysfunctional little brother to the IRA. They're yeah. So, and they, they did great things and right. they did like the worst shit. Yeah. And they were so based on personal loyalty and stuff like that. Like, the reason McGlinchey kind of got pushed out was he killed this guy that was, like, he was involved in the INLA. And then he was, like, using INLA guns to go do robberies and shit like that. And McGlinchey called him in, and he was like, you know, I heard you're doing shit. And he's like, oh, I'm doing shit, but I'm not doing shit under the INLA banner. I'm ODC now. Ordinary decent criminal. <laughs> right? ODC. ODC. I love that. Isn't that great? 
And he was like, I'm ODC, dude, you know. And But all these people like him, you know. And they, So he's like, oh, that's cool. And then on the way out, they he kills him, you know. But the guy was so well-liked that it, these were the kind of things that would cause these divisions where you would mm-hmm. split. And it was just based on, like, friendship and loyalty. Yeah. And it would get to the point where Desi O'Hare was like, I'm going to start my own thing. And it's called the Irish Revolutionary Brigade. And they were described as having a handful of members. So at that point, you're just a gang. You're just an improv troupe. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. So there was no, yes. there was no like, there was just no discipline. And there yeah. was nothing going on. But these were, like, the kind of things that would happen. The personal politics would inform the whole narrative, whereas the IRA was way more rigid. Well, it had an like, ideology. Yeah, it had a firm ideology. Mm-hmm. And you really had to be, it was just more, they were kind of more Puritan. Mm-hmm. And they did attract more of the kind of the more Catholicy, mm-hmm. you know, died in the wool, really believers. Yeah, so well, then that's why it worked. Yeah, I, <laughs> and but it's like it didn't stop them from being uh, like astonishingly, astonishingly effective yeah. and vicious. Mm-hmm. This guy I knew. Did I say about this guy I knew? The minister. No. This guy was called the minister. He's in, yes. He's in, he's in jail. And the fucking uh, priest comes to visit him, and then he, he robs his clothes and walks out. Brilliant. So the priest is naked in his cell. Well, that is and a he's, uniform. he's like yeah, walking out, and he's like, all right, take care. Hey, pr- hey, father, start rubbing your shit all over the walls. <laughs> so this guy, I mean, he, and, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, this is just one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life, and definitely killed people. <laughs> but... If you're just born in that thing, what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, you're born in wartime, man. Yeah. And, I mean, the the the, the fascination I have with Ronnie Bunting Jr. Mm-hmm. is, like, the thing about going against your dad so hard that yeah. you join the enemy. Yeah. It's very biblical, right? It's like, kind of like the Moses type of thing. Yeah. It's um, completely insane, but it was also the kid going to school and realizing, like, I go to school with Catholic kids. They're not pieces of shit. Yeah. They don't care about the Pope. It's right. all, this is all bullshit. Right. And then seeing through everything and then going so far with it, going so militant, mm-hmm. that you become one of the most effective operators in the fucking INLA. Yeah. Com- it's brilliant. Is, is there any, um, is there any works about him? Like, are there any books specifically about him or, or movies no, or, or dramatizations no. or anything like that? Because it's a very... No, they did. It's compelling. It's, yeah, very, very compelling. Seamus Costello was supposed to have a movie about him come oh. out, and uh, I don't know what's going on with that. But, I mean, you know, all these guys, Desi O'Hare, The Border Fox, Mad Dog McGlinchey, they're endlessly fascinating. Yeah. And they, they were just so brutal. Mm-hmm. So, so brutal. So scary. They killed a lot. They killed... <laughs> They killed as many of each other, more, actually, than the Brits. And the IPLO almost killed no Brits at all. They, like, only killed <laughs> INLA dogs. guys. <laughs> yeah. Before all their knees got taken yeah. out in one night. Uh, that story like is just one of... They call it the Night of the Long Knives. Yeah. When all these guys got fucking kneecapped. That's hilarious. It's fucking completely insane. Well, these guys are so, you know, compelling because they're, I mean, living, or up until recently living folk heroes or very very recent folk heroes like in the u.s you know we've got cowboys and like you know the the daniel boone type of stuff and to a degree the mob mm-hmm. some of the mob characters but even more recent are these ira i know i guys that are yeah they got funky names and they're doing crazy shit and they're they're legends right they yeah leave behind this crazy legacy and that's it's it's um yeah well then the fascinating thing to me is what do you do when you have to turn your weapon off 
And it's like, no, we just do politics now. It's like, but I was ready to die or go to prison. And now I'm not yeah. going to do either. Right. And, you know, keep in mind, all the other prisoners are being let out under yeah. the peace agreement. So now everybody's coming home and it's just like, what now? Yeah. What now? So maybe you, you might be able to kind of get your rocks off smuggling, right? That's still right. kind of high uh, adrenaline. Yeah. Well, don't they, weren't they doing a lot of condom smuggling in Ireland? <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I I I read something that for a long time because you know, the large Catholic constituency, that you couldn't buy or get condoms shipped in. You had to like, you had to get them smuggled in. Well, they didn't. They yeah, and they also didn't use them because they were extra Catholic. Right. So that was part of what President Clinton actually presented to the IRA to make the peace deal. Was he says, you know, the British have always said since the beginning, if the majority votes for union with Ireland, we'll give it to them. But they had already, of course, gerrymandered it. The whole thing is built on a gerrymander. Right. And like Bill Clinton was saying... These people are outbreeding you. You, you. you guys are outbreeding them. You're going to have the vote in a couple of years anyway. Do you want to keep fighting so that they are... The, then they're the violent minority when right. you do reunification? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The whole thing's going to get flipped if you don't make peace now. Right. And like, you know, eventually you're going to have that vote. Eventually so you, they're going to be car bombing. And, right. You have to... But So in the meantime, you have to, you have to bury... You have to bury the beef. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to make it end. And Clinton and, you know, he sent Senator George Mitchell to help with the peace agreement. He was super, super involved. It's one of the things I got to say about Bill Clinton. He, yeah, he was a, he an He really, really got very close on Israel and Palestine. But in Northern Ireland, he defied the State Department. Mm-hmm. The State Department was like, you know, they were, they're old friends with the Foreign Office and they've been had that relationship for years. And the Foreign Office is telling the State Department friends like, you can't let the fucking IRA in America to fundraise. They're our enemy. And Bill Clinton was like, no, fuck you. I'm doing it. I really like that. You too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was that's really one thing where I straight up give it up to Bill Clinton. There's a ton of other flaws there. Well, he's course. a listener. Give him a shout out. Yeah. yeah shout out to Definitely. Bill and all the people in Chappaqua or whatever the fuck. They, I don't know. Chappaquiddick. Chappaquiddick. Yeah. Ch- yeah. <laughs> they live in that river, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Somebody's there. I, uh, I, I, so I, yeah, I, I completely give it up for that. The, the. The other thing that's very interesting is that some of these IRA guys were like, well, I can't really stop. Right. So the IRA basically would would be like, all right, well, do you want to go fight with FARC in Colombia? Yeah. And then they would go there and start showing FARC how to make bombs and shit. Yeah. Or the Basque. They would go to the Basques. You know, there was all kinds of cooperation between these paramilitary groups during the war and mm-hmm. everything. But then afterwards, they would be like, well, I just want to, you know... F- this is my job. This yep. is what I do. This is what I do. So there was there was an ambush in uh, Palestine where they shot at a bunch of troops and then retreated through a building. And the minute the troops followed in the building, the building <sighs> detonated and fell on all the troops. It's so brilliant. And immediately after, they captured this Irish guy there. So it was just like, we're just... the people that can't stop doing terrorism we're just gonna yeah send them to other struggles or freedom fighters whatever you want to call mm-hmm. sure you know, yeah blackwater yeah. yeah like but isn't that fucking mental yeah and like you would never hear from these guys again because yeah. now you're not you're not you're not supposed to be there at all can you imagine how much they're gonna hate you when they catch you yeah the guys in bogota prison oh well, just imagine that Palestinian guy when he's like, he catches him and he hears this stu- this Irish accent coming from this guy. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> uh, but the, yeah, so that's that's my story on the INLA. I really like that. It's it's uh, there's a great book by Jack Holland. I read all of his books on the troubles called Deadly Divisions, mm-hmm. INLA, and uh, it's 
it's so fascinating. It's just a riveting read. You can't believe all the shit that's going on. Yeah. It's completely insane. I mean, I didn't get into it, but a single year of events in the INLA, you're like, Jesus fucking Christ, are you kidding me? Yeah. Completely insane. The, uh, the other thing I really wanted to share with you was about uh, this lady that stabbed her boyfriend with a samurai sword. Was this uh, was porno samurai killer part two? This is this is something that the Washington Post had the other day, and uh, this guy gets chopped so good. Oh, you gotta get <laughs> chopped, John. While you're looking that up, I'm gonna do a quick read. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're uh, we're shooting this episode on uh, a couple of cameras today, and these will be uh, we'll put them up on YouTube or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I just want to show the listeners and the viewers. Today's episode is brought to us by. Steel Reserve. High gravity lager. This here is a uh, 24 ounce, 24 fluid ounce can of Steel Reserve. It's slow brewed for exceptionally smooth flavor. You got it. Extra malted barley and select hops. Finally. For extra gravity. Oh, so heavy. Old 211, which is the alchemical symbol for steel. Oh, oh. Okay. I thought that was the amount of gravity. In it. No, well, <laughs> how much gravity? 211. 211 what? Gravities. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to crack it open for the listeners. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hear it. I mean, this is... Oh, that's Whoa, fresh. It's oh, full of gravity. God, you can smell the gravity. You're letting all the gravity out. <sighs> that's high gravity lager. I'm glad that I have this arsenal of piss behind me after I drink this fucking nonsense. Oh, God. Is it okay? I've had worse piss. Really? <laughs> yeah. No. Take a swig. Pass oh, it okay. around. Mm. Ooh, wow. That's no, you smelled it first? It Big mistake. Fresh. Yeah. Plug your nose. Is it cold? <laughs> <laughs> Matt shuddered. Oh, you know, yeah. I thought I was I was just expecting regular malted barley, but that's extra. Yeah. You can really tell. God help me. You've got it, John. <laughs> oh fuck me running. <laughs> it's not Oh, it's so sour. Uh, but it's not like a the the new the the sour beers that are Yeah, it's not like no, a good sour. No, it's, no, no. It's, it's, like, it's a, like sewage sour. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. It tastes like Chicago in the summer. It's got that sweet sewage. Dude, Nick, you took a huge swig. Holy shit. Our buddy Nick Shapiro uh, Shapiro is here filming us. Thank you, Nick. Thanks, Nick. We love you. I'm going to take another sip of this steel piss. Mm. Oh. Oh, God. What would happen if they quickly brewed it? I mean, (laughs) would it make it worse? (laughs) Would that be worse? Oh, steel reserve. No, when I was, uh, I feel like this is kind of like a blood brother thing, you know. When I, when I went to, when I first went to college, we did Edward Forty Hands with steel reserve glass bottles. Ooh, it's the worst. It's it's the worst thing you could ever do, other than like murder or like yeah. self immolation. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so bad, dude. Yeah, they say oh. um, the Cambodian monks will often <laughs> play Edward Forty Hands with steel reserve. Yeah, uh, protest. Yeah. What if you're doing a hunger hunger strike and you smell steel reserve? (laughs) You continue on. Can I tell you what I miss most? It's the piss. (laughs) Anyways, I just wanted to 
put up for the fans there. You, you know, we're not all talk about the Steel Reserve. It's and so gross. It. You, are you, Aaron and I were working together, and you showed up with that Steel Reserve, and I got so bummed out. You were so pissed <laughs> off. So, You're like, no, Aaron, go, s- put, throw it out. Please, please. And now you drank it. I did drink it. Because you're gross, you pig. I just burped it. You're a pig. So this girl is dating this guy, and all he does is play games, right? He's doing that- uh, Video games? Yeah, that new uh, player, whatever the fuck, what's that thing called? The one that's like- Player Underground. Yeah, Player Underground. Yeah, he's doing yeah. that all day. Oh, I don't know what that is. It's, player one people are going fucking ape shit about it. Okay. And he's playing that all day. Okay. And she's she's not thrilled about that at all. Right. And then she finds like a fucking- uh, a hair in the shower that she's like, oh, whose is that? Some like, you know, some <laughs> a hair in the shower. Some lady's hair, you know what I mean? Oh. And uh, he's got Tinder on his phone, so she's like, oh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a samurai sword and kill him. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I like you do. <laughs> so, uh, so she's. I'm sure that this guy sounds like a guy who probably has a samurai yeah, sword. Yeah, I'm gonna take his. <laughs> she, she doesn't have to sword. go down to the pawn shop from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> so she she waits till he's asleep and she starts chopping him good, and. uh <laughs> Slashing or stabbing motions? She's stabbing him, and he's, his quotes, his quotes are in... He's alive? His quotes, yeah, he survives. He, oh. he begs her to call the cops, and she calls the cops. And they, come, they come and get him. And uh, so he says, I was able to wing chun my way to survival. Wait, what? No, no. Yeah. And then he said, I saw the look in her eyes... And it scared the living poop out of me. No. I told her I loved her and she was killing me. She needed to call the police or I was going to die. So she calls 911 and she's like, I stabbed my boyfriend with a sword. And she goes, the operator goes, you used a sword? <laughs> <laughs> uh, one question before I call it in. Yeah, this is, this is in, uh, this is in, uh, it's like near Portland. We've got to get a record of that call. Uh, dude, Portland, this, Oregon? Yeah, this okay. guy. Yeah. <laughs> We should we should just reenact that. This guy, you can't, you can't, you can't believe the things he says to the paper. He goes. He said poop. I was just so proud for beating this samurai wannabe crazy lady with hate in her heart. I was just so proud for beating this samurai. What a cunt. Samurai wannabe crazy lady. Yeah, with I'm really hate proud of myself heart. for defending her with my stabbing lotus technique. What? After I woke up from stabbing. And he says, I've been preparing my whole life for something like this. For being stabbed with in a samurai sleep? sword in the sleep? <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah, this guy has a samurai sword. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah and you're just like, fuck. And a, and a samurai wrist guard. Yeah, so he's, yeah, no, he's, he's got, got he got Batman gauntlets. <laughs> he's known in the game. He's known in the gamer scene as Biggie oh, for uh, Player Unknown's Battleground, uh, multiplayer online fighting game. <laughs> and he had recently been doing twelve to thirteen hours playing the game. Yeah, he's. <laughs> I have been training my whole life for this. My thumbs are. And he says I wasn't a sweaty nerd, more of an athlete. Oh, athlete! You're nailing the voice. Wait, 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 wait! You must be nailing the voice. Athlete? Yeah. Or athlete? Like, athlete? Like, athlete? Like. Uh, yeah, like uh, e-athlete. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like email, uh, electronic athlete. Why didn't she kill him? You know, ML. They call it. <laughs> so, what? Uh, so, so his girlfriend went to the mall and bought a samurai. So sword. she did buy a. She bought a sword to kill. Him. You can't kill a man with his own samurai sword. And uh, you get one that you can. And she also had two knives. As backup. Wait, like this, in her belt for the samurai? They were all taped to the bed. She had them taped onto the bed so she could just be like, like They're sneak under. These two are made for each <laughs> they other. They really are. 
But also, what? Tape? What? Tape to the bed. Oh, she watched a bunch Texas. of movies. Yeah. Yeah. Not enough, but yeah. a bunch. Not the ones where you get away with it. She saw so, some covers. <laughs> so, so he's denying the cheating allegations, and he's saying, he's saying, I barely had time to hang out with my girlfriend, let alone another girl. Brilliant. Cool. And then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is cheating on you with the game, yeah, idiot. Yes, yes, he's you. Fuck your girlfriend. Hi, yeah. life hack. <laughs> fuck your girlfriend. Hi. Yeah. Hello there. Mm-hmm. Be in a relationship. Yes. Be present. Don't refer to yourself as an athlete. <laughs> so, what is she? He continues. This is for the newspaper. Okay, the Oregonian. He says. I didn't see it coming, but it makes sense that it happened. She obviously didn't want anyone else to have me, so uh, samurai sword. Oh, <laughs> you know. So, so, so no, samurai sword. So, no, that's you, know, you know how that is. It's like anything else. Huh? You know, I, I don't think we were going to be able to like commit that many troops to the to the island. So, you know, A-bomb. This mother... <laughs> this, yeah, this motherfucker. He had his fingers chopped off and shit. I can still play. So this is what he says. Really hurt my gaming. This is what he, this is, this is the ending quote. (sighs) All right. The feeling I had when I won the fight with my bare hands is just absolutely the best feeling. I played all the sports, won big games, (laughs) landed some decent tricks on my snowboard. This was better. Oh my God! There, I have nothing better to say than that. No, you can't. You can't invent that line. Snowboard tricks landed. Is he talking about SSX tricky? I've like, done it all, dude. And this is. I've slammed a forty Mountain Dew code red. I've played NHL love. Also, you didn't win a fight. You begged her to call the cops. I love you. You're killing me. I didn't think emotion could be a tactic. Everybody, Wang Chung tonight. <laughs> <laughs> huh? What'd you say? I gotta call the cops. You sound like a crazy person. <laughs> can't kill you. You're mentally unstable. Isn't that amazing? Fingers, cho- fingers chopped off. Yeah. Felt I mean, his, his neck's fuck. He's got shit. He's got stabs. You know what? It's all it, over the place. He's an idiot and all of that. But mm. winning attitude. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. Hey, if this guy can have a good outlook on it. <laughs> I mean, she didn't, obviously didn't want anybody else to have me, so... Yeah, that was... Samurai sword. I'm obviously... Just, I'm, like, such a winner. Like, she was just jealous at the thought of, like, even somebody being in yeah. the shower. Like, I mean, yeah, when the French burned Joan of Arc, they're like, no one should have her. Yeah, if we, so, like, if we can't have her, nobody can. So samurai sword? No. Yeah, so... Then, <laughs> it's never the answer to anything, like, ipso facto, fucking samurai sword. We bro. always talk... It's, if it's any constellation... Yeah, like, all things being equal, samurai sword. Gonna take his ass out, At the end I of the day... <laughs> High times is twenty twenty, bro. <laughs> that's great, John. That's that's it for me, gang. That's an uh, I want to thank Laura Crawford for helping out with the marketing on the program. Thank you, yes, Laura. Thank Welcome you, Laura. to the Let's team. Let's thank Nick Shapiro for thank the, you, Nick, the for excellent filming camera work and at- swigging the steel reserve. Oof. Yeah, you got in there, pal. Oh. Very uh, brave. Uh, what Crawford comic uh, uh, Twitter, where she's uh, selling all her wrestling? Books? I don't know. I, I the uh, Crawford comic. I think it's I think Crawford is, comic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks to Crawford's Chicken. Yeah, uh, right there on Temple and, and Benton, the ice cold beer, Piss. fried chicken. Yeah, I, I I like the hot chicken. Yeah, I like you, the hot you, chicken you, and, and the potato salad. Yes, coldest beers in town. Three dollar Budweisers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not paying for this. We just like it. Yeah, we do. Um, if you ever wanted your Budweiser to be a slushy, go to Crawford's. Go to Crawford's. Um, you wanted a Slurpee piss? 
Slurp piss. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Slur pee. Uh, ah, cool. Got it. Got it. <laughs> um, and uh, we've got a. We're doing a live show. We're doing yeah. a live episode of Profiles and Eccentricity, March thirtieth yes. at the Hollywood Is Hotel. Thirtieth. 31st. 31st. I'm very, Saturday. Varied. Saturday after this comes out. Yeah. yeah. And the Hollywood it'll Hotel. Be Show up. 9 p.m. It'll be 9 p.m. There's stand-up comedy from Anna Valenzuela. Oof. Quincy Johnson. Oof. Chet Wilde. Yes. Adam Todd Brown, the godfather, yes. the podfather himself. Yes, and Cindy Aravina. Yes. yes. And then a, a naughty, nasty episode of Profile. Fucking and nasty. So disgusting, bro. Just fucking gross. It's a bar with piss, too. They got <laughs> piss. Yeah, oh, you that's can great piss. You have a piss. You can try it out. I recommend you try it. The Please do try it Angel out. Angel City Pissner. Thanks be to Joe Latchard for making a gorgeous flyer for the oh, event. We're very excited You're about that. You're gonna love it. Uh, that's it from me. I love you. My name is John Fahey. My name is Aaron Pita. Matt Rousseau. Bye, folks. Bye.